for future economic trends. This is BizTalk. Hello and welcome to this special episode of BizTalk on CGTN. I'm Lululu in Beijing. Major economies are walking the tightrope trying to curb inflation without sinking their economies. The U.S. Federal Reserve, the European Central Bank and Bank of England all hike interest rates in a prolonged battle against stubborn inflation and mounting recession fears. Can U.S. and Europe tame the persistent inflation wells? Can we expect the tightening of monetary policy in major economies to continue throughout the whole year of 2023? Joining us today are Dr. John A. Quelch, Leonard M. Miller University Professor from University of Miami Herbert Business School, Mr. Mark Ostwood, Chief Economist and Global Strategist of ADMISI, he joins us from London, and Mr. Chen Jiahe, Chief Investment Officer of Novemarke Technologies. And we're going to discuss the major monetary moves and also share their perspectives on 2023 global financial outlook. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. This week, the past week, has been a packed week. Somebody dubbed it as the central bank week because with some major policy decisions coming from uh, major central banks around the world, including the Fed, European Central Bank, and the Bank of England. So that rate decision is affecting the daily lives to everyone who's living in those countries and living outside those countries. So I want to start by asking John and Mark, what is your life like there with all that uh-huh. high inflation? <laughs> So I think you have to look at it uh, uh, segment by segment uh, among the consumer market. Uh, First of all, you have some people who are uh, comfortably well off and whose lifestyle really hasn't had to adjust to uh, the economic uh, circumstances. You then have a second group of people who are uh, looking at their pension plan returns for 2022 and feeling a lot uh, of nervousness about their long-term future, possibly therefore cutting back on luxury and discretionary expenditures. Uh, You you then have a third group of people uh, who are relatively low on the income scale, and they are feeling it really hard because uh, they Uh, have uh, to endure food price and gas price inflation, uh, and those commodities uh, constitute a large portion of their uh, uh, weekly uh, disposable income expenditures. Uh, So they're they're the people who are really getting hit hardest. There's another group of people who are younger people who are uh, in service jobs, and because of the tight labor market in the U.S., especially in the service sector, uh, those folks are finding that their wages are keeping up with price inflation. So it's not a homogeneous answer. You have to look at these four consumer segments individually. All right. Great uh, insights there. Let me go to Mark there. I know you're you living in London. You're also traveling across European countries and the strikes are actually erupting across Europe right now. That partly, of course, is because of uh, a rising inflation. Uh, what have you been seeing there? I mean, I think the biggest pressure for everybody, it is, a, you know, as John was outlining, it is the fact that all the inflation is in the non-discretionary areas. I think the biggest problem for the UK is that in real terms, wages actually haven't really been growing much at all since the global financial crisis. So in Europe, it is more to do with the fact that um, 
that they are being hit above all in by the energy price crisis uh more the energy crisis in europe which uh, to be honest is an energy crisis worldwide but it's europe which was most which created this dependency on cheap russian resources which um it's you know it's no longer ha- has access to the labor market by comparison to the prior euro crisis is actually um very very tight um so this is a you know this is also a demographics issue so there are lots of layers to this but people's f- feeling of the cost of living crisis is clearly being felt and that's why we are seeing so much labor unrest um and it's likely to continue throughout the year well, I guess you gentlemen, John and Mark, you both would probably be envying Jiahe, you know, someone living in China, uh, because in China, consumer prices have been kept within a re- reasonable range. We didn't see a drastic rise in inflation. Uh, so Jiahe, let me ask you, why do you think China managed to escape the global inflation in year 2022? We are pretty lucky that we didn't have the rising inflation that's like 8 or 10 percent that we have saw somewhere else. Um, I think, I think the biggest reason when you look at why China has been so lucky to escape from the global inflation is that the, the money printing in the year of 2020 and 21, where the COVID was hitting the economy the hardest, uh, well, we didn't print much uh, money at that moment in order to save our economy. We tried other ways. We, we tried a lot of other ways, but we avoided the growing of uh, our monetary base uh, to like 20% or even 25%. We had it uh, for about 8 to 10%, while the Chinese economic growth was like uh, 5 to 6%. So we have the M2 growth at uh, 8 to 10%. That, that was quite moderate. So we didn't have the inflation after that. Uh, one other reason might be that also China has uh, various sources of um, energy import. We import a lot of energy from Middle East and everywhere else, South, South America, Australia. After the latest rate hike of the Fed, consumers in the US, they will be paying about $450 more in borrowing costs for every $10,000 that they uh, in debt. That was compared with more than a year ago. So uh, what kind of evidence do you think the Fed or the BOE or the ECB is looking for until they can start tapering or change directions in their policies, gentlemen? Uh, so uh, if I may, Lily, uh, the, uh, the markets are quite optimistic that there will then be a pause in uh, Federal Reserve rate hikes. And the reason why the markets are optimistic is because there is strong evidence of uh, consumers slowing down uh, in their total spending. Um, As you know, consumption is around about 60-65% of the US uh, GDP. So what consumers do is very important to the heat of the economy. And uh, we we did see um, in the month of January, uh, U.S. Uh, retail sales falling uh, by the most amount uh, percentage-wise in a year. And other indices of uh, uh, manufacturing activity and procurement, advanced procurement uh, of raw materials, uh, these indices are also down along with uh, consumer confidence combined with uh, uh, rising mortgage rates, which have effectively uh, stalled the housing market entirely. All of this means that the economy is slowing down very nicely. 
uh, and to avoid an overshoot, the Fed will, in my opinion, pause after the next 25 point uh, rise and uh, see just how effectively its uh, series of rate hikes have impacted the uh, the heat in the economy and uh, the uh, hopeful reduction in inflation uh, down towards the eventual 2% target. Mm -hmm. So, John, do you agree that we might see another rate hike in March and uh, then yes. possibly uh, that this hiking cycle would be paused? Yes, one, one more rate hike in March and then I would expect a, a, a three-month okay. pause to see how those prior rate hikes have impacted the inflation rate. And that is your prediction on the Fed's move or uh, um, other central banks as well? Well, I'll, I'll leave Mark to comment on the uh, BOE. Yes, go ahead, Mark, please. Okay, um, in terms of the Bank of England, uh, we've had the chief economist um, talking about the the need to avoid overshooting, which is a fairly strong signal that there may be one more rate hike in March from the Bank of England, but not much more. By contrast, um, the ECB, um, yeah, I, I should add, though, that the the there are risks with that in terms of the Bank of England, simply because inflation is stubbornly high in, in the UK, as it is in the Eurozone. And the ECB was, to a certain extent, a good deal more hawkish on the rate outlook, uh, signalling already, basically, that it intends to hike rates by another 50 basis points in March. Um, and then it will reconsider but I think it's what it's talking about really reconsidering is not moving as quickly in terms of rate hikes, i.e. it moves in May by 25 basis points. And the assumption is that they may well stop after that. Um, in all cases, it is it is the case that, that, that it's a pause. Three hundred sixty degree profiles of industry movers and shakers, tech mavericks, and policymakers. We drill down on their success. We ask how they set strategy and how they navigate in an increasingly competitive market. Real talk, real business. Join the conversation. Biz talk only on CGTN. So let me go to Jiahe now. Jiahe, I know you have been following the property market uh, closely. Tell us what's going to happen next when China is re fully reopening its borders and fully reconnecting with the global economy under certain risks of importing inflation. Well, when we look at what's coming in this year, it is very possible that we will see a full recovery of the Chinese economy. Basically, this year, when we look at the economy, we think that the consumption will very possibly rebound very quickly when China has removed all the anti-COVID uh, policies that restricted the mobility of people. Uh, from this Spring Festival, we have already seen that the, the target 
tariffs, the number of tariffs have increased to almost the level of 2019. Finally, there comes the question of export. Some people believe that export might not be as good because we have seen economics, uh, well, the, the slowdown of economic growth in both North America and Europe. But there is uh, another thing is that the Southeastern Asian countries have got pretty uh, good economic growth in recent months that we can see economic growth being pretty fast in Singapore and Philippines. And these countries are very important trading partners of China as well. So the export might be okay. I mean, it might not be that bad, uh, given some people are pretty pessimistic about that. So overall speaking, we will have a pretty good uh, year for uh, 2023. And we have seen the stock market been performing quite actively toward that. Speaking of export, I want to go to John. How do you think the latest or the slew of Fed's rate decisions, how is that going to affect U.S. trade with China? The latest forecast from the IMF, I think, if I remember rightly, is forecasting 2.9% uh, worldwide growth for uh, 2023. Um, and that includes 5.2% for China, uh, whereas the US and Europe are around about you know, one to two percent maximum, with the UK being of all of the G7 countries, the one that is forecast for negative GDP growth, marginal but negative GDP growth in 2022, uh, 2023. So, what uh, what we've heard already to the effect that the Asian economies, not just China, but the other Asian economies, are also in fairly good condition for growth this year. Um, as well as um, uh, Middle East and uh, Africa. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting that these collectively, these economies are going to be the drivers of the 2.9% rather than Europe uh, or even uh, the US. Mark, let me go to you. So we have been talking about the Fed's rate hikes and its impact on the global economy, especially in other low-income countries or the emerging economies throughout the year of 2022. And now, with the Fed seemingly likely to continue its rate hike for another few months, probably into the first half of the year, into the summer, uh, where do you think that impact stands right now? And what's going to happen to the U.S. dollar in the near future? When global trade growth is weak, as it has been, then the dollar tends to be strong. On the other hand, uh, the other factor which always drives it is interest rate differentials. The part of the, the weakening that we've seen in the dollar so far this year has been uh, predicated on the idea that there will be an element of catch up above all from the eurozone um, in terms of interest rates. Um, rising closer to US rates and therefore giving the euro a bit of a boost. Um, the idea was that the UK obviously is, has rates close to the US in any case. I think you know, China and a, the rest of Asia, which looks to be is by far the most um, agile, by far the most dynamic part of the global economy. The other parts are so lumbered with debt uh, that they are struggling. And in certain emerging market countries, obviously, you know, the emerging market outlook is very, very differentiated. But I think overall, uh, barring a debt crisis, which would see huge demand for the dollar, because most of the world's debt is denominated in dollars, yes. um, the dollar's probably peaked for the time being. But I don't think this talk of the dollar basically having a massive reversal this year is really that likely at all.
Okay, let me get the Jaho's take on that. Do you agree that the dollar may have uh, may have peaked already um, uh, for the short term Jaho? What is going to be the possible impact on China's currency? I think the dollar is one of the hardest things to predict. I try, I try to avoid, you know, uh, predicting the movement of dollar in, with my investment. Uh, it's, it's really difficult. I mean, we have saw the dollar being rising quite a lot last year, and, and suddenly it just came down. And uh, about half of its rising has been erased uh, since its peak. So into the future, it's it's pretty hard to tell where the dollar is going to be. The RMB will try to uh, pack with uh, with the dollar in order to favor China's uh, export and import. I mean, a large shift between the RMB and the dollar is. Some people said that the most important. Uh, Relation right now in this world is the relation between China and the U.S. So uh, with currency, I think it's the same thing. I mean, yeah, the, the, the most yuan, right. yeah, be- between the dollar and yuan. If this currency rate is fixed with a stability that we don't see a rising dollar, neither we see a rising RMB, then that might be the best for the global, uh, the international trade. So, Jackie, it seems like in year, throughout the year of 2022, what many analysts, observers, and traders had been watching closely are basically two things: that is, inflation and then right decisions. So, would that be the case in year 2023? Well, I think the inflation in 2023 will not be as important as、uh, last year because last year we have solid inflation being skyrocketing. You know, people don't know where the inflation in the U.S. will be. It's reached eight percent, will be nine percent, will be fifteen percent. But now with the hiking interest rates throughout the world, the ECB, the Bank of England, the Fed, everyone has been using the interest rate hike to contain inflation. That I, I think the inflation. Will not be as serious a problem as it was. So the inflation will not be such a big concern this year. But when we look at、uh, look at the economic growth rate of England or of the United Kingdom of America, we see this growth rate is actually coming downward. So maintaining the growth rate might be a more important issue this year. Um, Mark, do you think that the UK and the US they're relatively、uh, less sensitive、uh, to tightening financial conditions as compared with、uh, trade-heavy countries like、uh, Japan or Switzerland?、Uh, for the UK, everything is、um, you know the UK is so dependent on imports of everything、mm-hmm. that it, it's really very very vulnerable, and I don't think the tightening of financial conditions will have much more of an impact. And the same is actually true of much of the EU. There are you know Europe is dependent on vibrant global trade. It needs to import a lot of the resources, which it can then resell as finished products. And at the moment, the high base costs that have been introduced by the energy crisis are leading to a lot of European co- companies thinking about whether they actually need to re- relocate. And that doesn't actually, you know, that basically means there's going to be more stru- long-term structural problems for Europe、um, unless they can actually come together. And this is where what the problem is at the moment: that the EU. Can own is still very divided in terms of interests.、Mm-hmm. Uh, John, can I get your take on that same question, please?、Uh, the U.S. because of the size of its market and its resources, it is、uh, let's say a bit more or relatively more self-reliant. So hence, it is less sensitive to tightening financial conditions.、Uh, do you think that is why the Fed has been quite bold in its rate moves? 
I don't think that's necessarily the case. Um, it is true that the U.S. economy is um, uh, pretty self-sufficient, and particularly uh, with respect to uh, energy, uh, and that's uh, perhaps one reason why the uh, inflation rates in the U.S. have not been as high as they have been in uh, Europe. Um, and there is some talk about uh, long-term target inflation rates uh, being adjusted to 3% as opposed to 2%. Uh, I personally think this would be a, a big mistake uh, if the Fed were to go down that particular path because, um, you know, what it will say to the markets is that uh, the Fed doesn't actually have the stomach uh, to solve the entirety of the problem. And... Uh, might be subject to political influences that uh, uh, would be arguing against a, a really uh, tough tightening that would uh, solve the inflation problem. So that that's, I think, a, a note of caution in the current environment that we should uh, underscore. Uh, now, it does take uh, four to six months to see how these uh, rate hikes play through in terms of the inflation rate. Uh, but um, my, my belief is that uh, although the Fed was late to the game and didn't get on to the problem uh, quick enough, mm -hmm. that nevertheless they have um, really, I think, um, been very consistent and focused um, in the last year. Jiahe, let me come to you. So we know that inflation, uh, well, rate hike, of course, is not the only solution to inflation. Uh, so what kind of tools, or do you think that China's central bank would have more space and more tools uh, if they wanted to hedge against inflation? Uh, one way is to curb the loan, you know, to, to try to curb the loan. China's uh, banking system is mainly composed by state-owned uh, banks, you know, the very large ones like the uh, uh, the ICBC, the Bank of China, Agriculture Bank of China. These are very large banks of China. They, they contain about 80 or 90 percent of the market share. So it would be possible that if the central bank wants to contain inflation, to ask them just to, to reduce the monetary supply. So that's a very uh, effective way. The other way would be increasing the supply if the inflation is caused. So, I mean, these are the very common ways that we have been seeing in the past. But currently, we don't have an inflation to deal with right now. But if the inflation really comes back, the, these tools would be useful. Okay, uh, Mark, some are saying that uh, uh, the outlook for the European economies, or the Eurozone economy rather, is um, not that rosy, that uh, the economy probably is uh, entering a stagnation status. Do you agree with that? Yes, I mean, yeah, I think there's there's been a lot of elation around the place in financial markets about the eurozone economy that it's it's not gone into the sort of recession that everyone was talking about just about three months ago. Um, on the other hand, um, we are talking about the difference between well, if it's you know plus point two as opposed to minus point two, is plus point two good? And the answer is no. Um, so I think uh, we're looking at a period of Slow, slow growth in the eurozone. Um, I, I think uh, predictions for the UK, rightly given the lack of stimulus from government and the, the very tight fiscal policy that's being applied, um, <clears throat> in the UK will likely be just slipping, slipping down the hill 
but it, it's literally slipping. In both cases, it's not going to be the sort of recession that pe people were really fearing. Mm -hmm. uh, Mark, um, could I just uh, quickly ask uh, sure. you to comment, if I may, uh, Lily, mm -hmm. on the concept of declinism, uh, which is a word I had not heard previously, but it refers to, I think, the, the psychology in the UK of the UK being in decline. And of course, we know that consumer psychology can have a big impact on uh, whether or not the economic uh, realities actually play out. I, I think that that is, you know, as much as all the, the politicians in the UK and indeed, you know, Europe is just as much in, impacted by this, um, they won't admit it. The fact is that they are going through it. In the UK, I think it has an additional problem because there hasn't actually ever been a proper reconciliation with getting away from its colonial past, i.e. its empire. And there hasn't been this admission, admission that within the greater scheme of the global economy, having chosen to leave the EU, it is not that significant a part of it. Um, it's something which happened, actually, if people want a good look in the history books, go and have a look what happened to the UK economy during the 50s and 60s, when it wasn't part of the mm. emergent EU. Um, Europe, you know, the same, Europe's challenge is basically, uh, I think, in the longer run, if it can't address this energy problem, it is going to see the same thing that happened in Japan, which is basically a hollowing out of its industrial base, which for Europe is actually going to be actually very bad news. All right, greetings, I stare. So sentiment is very important. As we always say, confidence is more precious than gold at some times. So gentlemen, my final question to you, what would be your piece of advice for global investors in year 2023? Can I start with Jia He, please? Uh, currently, I have 65% of my holding in the Hong Kong market and 35% in Asia. So, so my hold, holding tells you uh, my advice, which is Hong Kong. Uh, so, so just try to find the uh, the good companies in China with very low valuation and spread your portfolio with 30 to 40 companies to spread your risk. Uh, I think that's the best choice that people can have right now, according to what I know. Well, good luck to you on that front. John. Uh, buy technology selectively anywhere in the world where you can find a great company with a differentiated uh, idea and great leadership. Okay, Mark? Yes, I think technology, above all in, in areas, you know, we've used technology for convenience up until now. I think the focus now is to use the technology that we have to apply it to improving our infrastructure in the broadest sense of the word, whether it's um, energy, whether it's education. The, there are huge opportunities there. And also to look at those countries which are going to benefit most from displaced global supply chains, because there are countries which are going to benefit disproportionately a lot from that. And India and um, the GCC countries and obviously Asia, I think, are, are going to be huge beneficiaries. Well, of course, tech is the new black. That's a really interesting piece of advice. Thank you so much, gentlemen. So it seems like tightening financial conditions to curb inflation may continue for some time in year 2023. And for developing countries, emerging markets, it is important to always bear in mind to fend off the possible negative impact and fallout from those uh, policies as well as currency fluctuations. Uh, so the world should be watchful over recession risks 
and that seems like it might be increasing this year and the years, couple of years to come. Thank you so much, gentlemen, for that great discussion. And with that, I'm wrapping up this special edition of Biz Talk here on CGTN. I'm Lilulu in Beijing. Till next time, bye for now.